Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? Yes, it's me, Egbert. As the new owner of this station, I want to make sure we have the best talent on the air. That's why I've decided to ban all real estate agents and only have real talkers like Brad and John. Here they are, B and J. You know, I stand corrected. I stand corrected in two things from the last break, okay? Uh-huh. It's not called Rock the House. It's called Knock Down the House, and oh, it was okay. 2019, and instead of, excuse me, instead of five women, it's four women. Uh, the little trailer, uh, little blog says, a young bar- bartender in the Bronx, a coal miner's daughter in West Virginia, a grieving mother in Nevada, and a registered nurse in Missouri build a movement of insurgent candidates. So it's four women, and like I said, I believe the only one that won was court was uh, AOC Corey was Bush AOC yeah and with a line like a bartender in the Bronx yes like if that doesn't get men's minds running and thinking hmm maybe I should click on this <laughs> well it does you know once again I see I think there's a thing called ah, God in our industry I had a boss years ago he used to always say never let your show get too big for the room now. I don't know if you've yep. been in too many radio studios, but radio studios are not big, monstrous studios like the Oprah show uh, has, uh, where they can bring cars and things like that. Matter of fact, in, <laughs> in most radio studios, it's probably the size of the average bedroom in the United States. Like Prob- a 10 by 10. I yeah. think of like a radio studio as being like 10 by 10. Not that big. And the idea being, the, my boss used to always say, never let your show get too, get too big for the room. The idea being that, that you know, uh, you, you know you're, you're a dude in a studio talking into a microphone and don't think that you're, you're, you're curing cancer or anything like that. Right. And um, I believe some of that kicked in with AOC. That, because, because when you watch the documentary, she's actually very likable. I'm, oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt that she is. Well, for sure. all of them are. And Cori Bush, you know, Cori Bush is not its not the wacko that she turned out to be. I mean, you know, I mean, very down to earth, talking about the fact she was a registered nurse. And, you know, so do you think that do you think that the do you think it's the age old tale of success goes to people's heads or and you can't answer both, Brad, because that's a pet peeve when I ask people a question and they say, well, the answer is both. So do you think it's that or do you think that? the environment has hardened her so much where she just appears to be callous. I think both. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> no, I, I, think it's, I think it's just because of the fact that, that all of a sudden, you know, it's, it, it's, there are people, like for example, there are people that you come across in your life that are like bigger than life. And one of them for me was always, was always Jack Buck, okay? But yep. yet Jack Buck... I don't know if you know, had this reputation for being an, a very extravagant tipper. Did you know this story? No, I don't know the story. Jack Buck, um, I remember reading a story somewhere that his kids would always get upset with him, that Jack Buck always carried a pocket full of $100 bills and talked and about... And he would peel them off for the, for the service staff, I guess. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Talked about, like, apparently back in the day, you know, I mean, this is like, you have to be old to remember this. Back in the day, there were elevator operators. And back in the day, 
you know, the old elevators were not automatic, so you just didn't get in and hit a button. There was somebody in there who actually had controls and would move the elevator up and down between floors, and there were, like, levers you had oh, to Oh, that's pull. annoying. Leverage get you had them to... out of there. Right, and stuff like that. Well, in some fancy-schmancy places, they carried that over because of the fact that, that oh, my God, we've got an elevator operator. And, uh, like, we're supposed to appreciate that. Right. We're in... supposed to appreciate the inefficiency. Right. In Bush Stadium 2... Uh, there was an elevator operator that took you up to the the restaurant. Remember, they had the fancy schmancy restaurant oh, at Bush Stadium yeah, too. Oh yeah, yeah. And and Jack Buck would routinely tip the elevator operator a hundred dollars for taking him from the you know the the the, the ground floor up to level four where the restaurant was or whatever stuff like that. And, and anyway, very much down to earth kind of guy. Then there are buttheads. Uh, who are like, uh, you know, like, for example, you see the videos on, uh, there's one of my favorite videos to watch, if you watch the videos, if you watch the the uh, shorts videos on YouTube, where the cops with their with their uh, body cameras. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I love those videos. Pull somebody over, and the person says, do you know who I am? The whole, do you know who I am, yeah. <laughs> right, which is, once again, having worked for a police department and hearing the cops talk about this, that was that was the that was essentially game on for them. You know, I oh, mean, I, I can I can imagine was, that was. Like, I mean, you, you if you go back real quick, if you go back to Corey Bush, there are people that that I'm not friends with, but but that are loose acquaintances or friends of friends who insist that pre-fame Corey Bush helped them out a lot personally or was kind to them personally, and I believe every word of those. Well, stories. like I said, she comes off in the in the. I have to watch this again. I don't know. You know, this is. Can I be honest with you? This I'm going to sound really old school when I say this. Mm-hmm. This is what I don't like about streaming. Because back in the day, if you went and you bought like the CD, like in audio, or if you bought the DVD, like in video, you yep. owned it. And if you had it forever, right. And on a Tuesday morning, uh, at two o'clock in the morning, if you can't sleep and you decide I'm going to watch oceans 11 and you go into your room where your, you know, your, you your TV it set, you yeah. pop it in and you watch oceans 11. The problem nowadays is if you watch, if you go to a streaming channel that has oceans 11, First off, it may not even be available anymore. And second off, if it yeah. is available, they're going to charge you charge you five ninety nine to watch this stupid yeah, thing. Okay? Yeah, And there's a certain thing in me that's like, I don't like that. But but see, to the point, a lot of the stuff you can't get anymore. I mean, you can't get. I mean, it's interesting if you go on on. Um, on Amazon, you can get DVDs of a lot of things. And it's sort of surprising the things you can still get on DVD from Amazon. But once again, to me, you buy it, you own it, you hold it, you can use it when you want to. You know, you yep. don't have to pay a subscription fee or anything like that. It's yours to keep forever and ever and ever until the, the media degrades, which, you know, who knows? I don't know about DVDs, but uh, I can tell you interesting stories about audio tape, but that's a whole other story. Okay, how do we get talking about that? We were uh, talking about Corey Bush. And uh, we were talking about her. We we're just, in general talking about the movie and talking about whether power corrupts or whether people just harden themselves to constant criticism. You have a lot of John Combes out there that every time there is a wacky picture of Cory Bush, I'm going to make it a punchline. So if you have that happen thousands of times, but, you know, every year around the country, do you simply harden yourself enough that you surround yourself with people that tell you yes or tell you they love you? By the way, the other interesting thing is that Cory Bush's campaign, according to the Post-Dispatch, is $130,000 in debt. Yeah, she has no money in the, in the bank. 
And she has, I guess she has technically 20 grand on hand, but 130 in debt. So if you're a democratic operative, so here's the way I look at it, Brad, from like a, a secondary perspective, and this might sound like inside baseball, but it's relevant. If you're Cory Bush, and you're facing a primary challenge from a reputable candidate like a Wesley Bell, and you want to attract some top talent. If you're a Democratic campaign operative or you're a fundraiser, do you look at a Cori Bush campaign and say, well, she's got no money, might not be able to raise money, or do we go raise some easy money for somebody like a Crystal Quaid who's going to lose, but we know she's going to pay us, or we can work for state legislative candidates who are going to lose, but we know they're going to pay us. Or do you do a passion project and work for Corey and not get paid? Well, I don't know. I mean, I I still think she's going to win. Can can I be honest with you? I think that yeah. she. I don't. I think that if she bought no advertising, and she wasn't on any TV, on any radio. If she spent zero, I think she's still going to win. You think her base is that loyal? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like, you know, that North County. See, the interesting thing about that was that the North County thing, I think that's what happened. You know, you saw it with two different things. You saw it with with Lacey Clay, and you saw it with Bob McCullough. Bob McCullough just got to the point where, like, hey, I'm Bob McCullough. Everybody loves me. You know, hey, I yeah, just, yeah. you know, I'm just going to be, you know, I'm going to retire from this job. I'm just, you know, I won't work till I die as the prosecuting attorney in St. Louis County. The last race, he just didn't really put his heart into it because he thought yeah. it was a slam dunk. He thought, I, you know, I'm, I can just keep doing this. And I think that's what happened to Lacey Clay. He just got to the point where, like, hey, my dad's, you know, my dad's. Everybody knows our name. Right, Everybody right. loves us. Yeah. And, and, by and the, I think at a certain, I agree with you, Brad. And then I also think at a certain point, and you could apply this to some, let's talk about some modern campaigns. So if you look at, like, a Dean Plocker who's, who's still running for lieutenant governor now, if you're in a, I'm not saying Dean's doing this, but I think Clay did it and McCullough did it. If you look at the cast of people who have endorsed you or who you helped in the past and you just assume that they're all precinct captains and they're all going to go out there and rally the troops like it's 1974 or something and you assume that they're going to turn out the vote for you, you are sadly mistaken. Well, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. OK, now. I teased something as we went into this. uh, Oh, yeah, the BFD. The BFD, okay. This is what I do not like. I think this is very unfair. The Poplar Street Bridge was never really, that's not the real name of the Poplar Street Bridge. For a long time, when the bridge was first opened, and this was the bridge that brought 55 and 70 across the Mississippi River. That's changed now because technically 70 is no no longer on the the Poplar Street Bridge. The the official name of that bridge. Do you know what the official name of it was? For... It, wasn't there? There was one bridge that was named like the People's Bridge or something, right? Nope, nope. This was named after a former mayor of the city of St. Louis. Mm, and we, uh, I give up, Cervantes. We joked about it because we called it the BFD, Bernard F. Dickman Memorial Bridge. Oh. The Bernard, and see, nobody knew that, but we used to call it the, <laughs> my brother and I <laughs> well, used to call people used to probably call you a dickman all the time. Right. right. Well, they called us BFD. That's what they go to. Um, <laughs> um, but it was Bernard F. Dickman Bridge until they renamed it the William Clay Bridge. Now, uh, see, once again, travesty. once again, how does the family of Bernard F. Dickman feel about the fact that their, their, maybe their father, their grandfather, their great-grandfather had a bridge named for him, and all of a sudden one day the bridge wasn't named after him anymore? Hey, what happened to, remember, form, formerly Easton Avenue? No longer Easton Avenue. What, what about King. Mr. Easton's family? Right, right. There's all sorts of things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, And what did Pershing, Pershing, oh, Pershing was named Berlin, I guess, so that's a different case. They renamed that after World War II, I guess. I have a quick uh, Bill Clay Sr. story. You, it'd probably take about 60 seconds. Go. I was visiting the Capitol as a high schooler for a, a school trip, 
back in January of 1995, so we're going on 29 years now, we visited Bill Clay, Bill Clay's district office. He wasn't there. He was so busy, whatever. And all of us kids are in there. And we were asked if any of us have ever volunteered on a campaign. So I raised my hand, and I was fresh off my first campaign, volunteering for Bill Clay's opponent, a guy named Don Counts who got trounced in the general election by 30 plus points. Anyway, I raised my hand and I said that I volunteered for Bill Clay's opponent. And then I asked why. And then Brad, I unwisely launched into a diatribe about gerrymandering congressional districts and such. One of the aides left the room and about 60 to 90 seconds later, who came into the room but Bill Clay? And he proceeded to dress me down in front of my peers. There were what was really painful. There, there was a class from St. Joseph's Academy, which was there with us lowly Hazelwood East kids. So, you know, the congressman dressed me down about gerrymandering and I had no idea what I was talking about and how racism was prevalent and how we needed people like him to fight gerrymandering. He said thanks and he exited the room. So thanks to me, kids from Hazelwood East High School and St. Joseph's Academy got to hear from Bill Clay Sr. Okay, so I've got a question that that begs for a question. You're yes. telling me that somebody from Hazelwood East, that Hazelwood East actually had a trip where you went to the Capitol in D.C.? It, yeah, it was called the, it's the close-up program, and it exists to this day. Yeah, you get you get an opportunity. I mean, every district is wildly subsidized by some grant program, and you can apply, and if you show, I think you need to show some sort of interest in public policy. We had, uh, I think, four kids from East went, a handful of kids from Clayton High School, and then a troop from St. Joseph's Academy. And it was wonderful. And I got to meet who at my time was one of my political heroes, Brad, the great Jesse Helms. I had the opportunity to meet Jesse Helms. No, no, hold on a minute. You flew in a plane. Mm -hmm. You stayed in a hotel. Yeah. It, well, it was all, I mean, you had, we had chaperones. Like we had two, we had at least one or two teachers from our school. I find that hard to believe, John. I mean, well, it's true. I, mean, I have the photos. Were, were you were you running around the halls of the hotel, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, you know, where you stayed, stuff like that? I was. Yeah. And, and in fact, I was I was roomed with kids that were from a reform school from uh, San Francisco. So the first few nights I slept with my wallet underneath my pillow, I was convinced <laughs> I was going to get robbed. What? One of the kids was 16 and had a full back tattoo. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And I learned some some key phrases there, um, which I can't repeat. Well, now, hold it, hold it, hold it. The FCC. So you had like a room with a with like this, like a boarding room kind of thing. Like we had we had so we had two beds. And so we had four kids in a room and I was with a kid who shall remain nameless, who is uh, whoa, whoa, involved whoa, whoa. in the periphery whoa, 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 of Missouri whoa. politics, I would say. And then two kids that were from the uh, they were essentially juvenile delinquents that got the opportunity, I think they were in Pelosi's district, and they got the opportunity to uh, come to the Capitol and hang out. And- no, 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 no. I, I, I got to stop here for a minute. Four kids to a room and there's two beds, okay? Let, mm-hmm. me, let me think about this for a minute. Could that happen today? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I was going to say, what? There would be no, now there was, there was a very strict rule that was, that was enforced, which was boys cannot be in girls' rooms and vice versa. And uh, unfortunately at the time, like, I, you know, I don't think, 
no matter how hard I tried, I probably couldn't have gotten those St. Joseph's girls to, to speak to me. You know God, what I mean? Like, dude, yeah, I mean, I was more interested in speaking to Senator Nancy Cassabaum from Kansas well, but, and but, other political stars. But, but, but. St. Joe's Academy, they were upper crust, and you being the Hazelwood East guy, you were Oof. like you were like scum me, of the I earth. I mean, the right? likelihood of landing a St. Joseph's girl <laughs> for anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, almost, that's, that, that's good stock. Almost as tough as Coriesu, right? <laughs> I, I would take St. Joseph's Academy, actually. Okay. Just, you know. On that, we'll, we have to, I have to follow up on this. This is a fascinating thing you just... Yeah, I have pictures. I'll text them to you and we can talk you about do it. This. And of course, because I'm a borderline hoarder, Brad, uh-huh. I have every document uh, from my from my D.C. trip. You and Ed Goldman. Okay, say goodbye, John. Bye, guys. See you tomorrow. It's 7.59. Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of The Brad and John Show. Can you handle it?